It's Craggy Island Rugby, the season preview edition. I'm Rob Murphy. This is William Davis. Good morning, everybody. And this is Alan Deegan. Just looking at John Muldoon with his gold patch for the Pro 12 on his side of his sleeve rather than just a normal black one everyone else has. Nice to have something different for a Pro 12 champion, isn't it? Yes, William. We're here at the Pro 12 launch for a new season and the reigning Pro 12 champions are Comet. Correct, Rob. And we're going to keep telling people that in case they missed it last May. Uh, This has got off to a fairly pedestrian start here. The player's been photographed with the trophy, but... uh, John sort of standing out there with, as, as Alan says, the champion's gold patch. It's a damp morning here at uh, Lansdowne Road where the final will be played next May. And maybe, just maybe we might get back here to defend it. Can you imagine the atmosphere here? It's actually, a, a, it would be an, a new target in terms of it would, could even be a better day, <laughs> if it's possible, if you could fill this place with half Colic fans, half someone else. It would be fantastic. Uh, and it, it, it is a driving, uh, it'll, it'll be a goal for them, but uh, it's a nice prize at the end. And uh, Edinburgh last year was, was great, it was a good attendance, but this place would be absolutely jumping. Yeah, I think the, um, you know, just chatting to some of the Welsh journalists there, I don't think that they think that, that that's going to be something that they'll see here, which is kind of, and certainly their fans don't think so. Have us down in eighth place at the moment on their Wales, Wales Online poll. Um, and they're, they're expecting to see an awful lot more from these Welsh guys this year, especially with the Lions at the end of the, the season, guys looking to impress. Um, and no doubt there'll be a Welsh coach. <laughs> well, I think we find that out later on today, don't we? Yeah, it's another press conference for another area. But yeah, the players are down taking pictures. This is so. What are we at? We're at half nine. We're going to be here until about two or three o'clock. We're going to be gathering bits of audio, which you're going to hear in this podcast. Um, I see John Muldoon down there with Louise Creedon, the Connick media officer, and Pat Lamb's in there somewhere. Although he's not there now, coaches are here as well and captains. It's all a bit formulaic, but for us, it's something new. We were we were welcomed in here, going, "Oh, you win the league, and all three you turn up all of a sudden for the lodge." Yes, of course. Well, that's that's entirely. Why, I obviously entirely correct, and um, yes, and uh, I've no problem at all yeah. uh, getting on the media bandwagon and uh, fairly decent uh, bacon sandwich as well. Right, well, there's lunch to come later, but in the meantime, we'll try and get some voices. We will indeed. Okay, well done, people. We're back, pro trap champions. I'm with a Welsh rugby legend here, Gerald Davis, chairman of Guinness Pro 12, a man who played for Cambridge University, London Welsh, Cardiff, Wales and the British and Irish Lions. And when I was a child, which was a long time ago, uh, he was one of my heroes, a man who broke Irish hearts on many occasions, tearing up and down the wing at high speed. Gerald, you're welcome along to Galway Bay FM. As long as I haven't lost... lost any friends in Ireland, because uh, I have so many over here, and I love coming over here, and uh, let's hope I haven't lost any anyway. No, you definitely haven't. Carwin James, 1971, a coach, something almost unique in rugby at the time, something that so many coaches now, backroom staff, who gave players the freedom to express themselves. How did he do that, and then how does that work in the modern game? Well, he was a great believer in skills to build. He always believed in allowing players with the talent of the game to play it and to have the freedom to play it. And the third point is that he was a very understanding and good manager of people. That he, he wasn't an authoritarian in any way. He was a man who cherished 
friendships, he cherished human relationships, and he cherished uh, rugby players to be good people. And I think that's always important in any sport, I think, in rugby football, that for all the good talent that is available, you always want to be amongst good people. And I think he, he, he embraced that. By giving players the response, is it a case of giving them freedom to play, but also res- res- giving, that actually gives you responsibility? It, it takes, it, it's giving them the chance to express themselves. Well, in my experience, not those currently around, certain coaches may lack the confidence of giving that responsibility to, to players, believing that they have the responsibility to dictate or being afraid, perhaps, to allow that freedom. But I think the best of coaches are those who have the confidence to pass on, to delegate the responsibility to the players. It's the players that play the game in the end. A coach is a teacher, a guide, a mentor. And he's got to, or a she, they've got to allow the players then, once that talent has been recognised, to express that talent. Or why have that talent in the first place? If you have the talent, do it, but don't hide it. If you have the talent, you have the skills. Certain coaches are afraid of that. The role of the coach in the end is, if there is a risk, not to eliminate it, but to refine the skill to get rid of the risk, but not to deny it. If you have the skill, for goodness sake, don't get rid of it. Refine it, make it better. That's the role of the coach. And, and, as, and as well as that, it's to give the players the ability, if it goes wrong, to have the courage to go back and do it right the next time. Of course it is. You know, we all make mistakes and you never move forward until you make mistakes. Because if you make mistakes, you're reaching out for something special, I think. And therefore, allow your talent, allow for the mistakes, but don't get rid of it. Come back and do it again until you get better at it. But for goodness sake, don't ignore it. Looking at where Pro 12 is, is going, and the, the figures today talking about the amount of time that the ball is in play and lack of yellow cards and a, a, a quite an exciting format and teams trying to play, some teams trying to play very expansive rugby. Was Connacht's victory last year, which meant an awful lot to us, was that a sort of a good shot in the arm for the whole Pro 12 project? Of course it was. It was quite an extraordinary weekend. It was an extraordinary uh, season for Connacht to play as they had done, play some wonderful rugby, and to succeed. Because I always tend to think that there are those people who believe if you play an expansive game, if you play a running, attacking, colourful game, that means you're not a winner, that you've got to play in a certain way. But they're not mutually exclusive. The point is that you have to play the rugby in the best possible way with the talent that you've got. Not to restrict it, but to play. And if you've got the confidence, if you've got the skills, you play a wonderful, colourful, imaginative game and still be a winner. You can't separate it. People say, well, you've got to play in a certain way in order to be a winner. No, you don't. You can play any way you like as long as you've got the confidence to do so. And when are you coming down to see us in Galway? Well, as soon as I can. I've been doing the rounds now, uh, slowly, as chairman of the Guinness Pro 12. And I think Connacht will be a place that I will visit uh, this year. I'd love to go down to that part of the world, I have to say, to see a, a wonderful team play, playing wonderful rugby, the kind I'd like to see these days, uh, and which will draw attention uh, of other people to come and watch them play. I look, I look forward to it. That was William speaking to the chairman of the Pro 12, Gerald Davis.
a Welsh rugby legend? Oh, absolutely. Phenomenal. Yeah, let's <laughs> forget that. There he is. Phenomenal rugby player. Uh, really, yeah. Yeah, really. Winger with talent, speed, handling skills. Sort of stuff that now commands big fees. All, all he got was a shake of the hand and you did a great job, Gerald. Well done. And as you were telling me earlier, a scholarship in Cambridge, and we saw the uh, official launch there when you were speaking, loves to quote some of the great writers in history. Yeah, I did pull him up off the record when I asked him about uh, maybe he could have used a bit of Yates. So he said he's saving that for next year. Well, today we we started the podcast with, you know, about half nine. It's now about two o'clock lunchtime. It's, people won't realise when you try to get 12 teams here on rotations with different sections of media. So you've got television, of which there are three TV stations here, if not four. Then you've got online media, you've got radio. Then you got Sunday papers and you got daily papers, which means players could be going around talking for the cuts of two hours, maybe more. It's probably more than that, and it's it's uh, it's quite tiring for us because it's it's quite intense. But they're saying the same things over and over again. But how they how they manage to do it, I don't know. And then of course they have their media officers there to make sure they don't say anything that they shouldn't say, <laughs> um, which is all part of the job. But it's it's been quite impressive. It's 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 nice to sit here and think we'll potentially hear next uh, May. They're running the big screens final 2017 Dublin, which is um, is a, a great driver for any for any of the teams, particularly the Irish teams, to get here. This place filled. We've talked about that before. Slightly different today when it's when it's empty. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, talking about it being empty. I asked Alan Solomon's that you know are they looking forward to going to Meyerside and having a crowd closer to the you know to, you know get a, a bit of more oomph behind them because you know he'd spoken about the fact it's up to the players to bring them on that they were so close to doing so well last year and he said yeah he's really looking forward to having a stadium where there will be an atmosphere he says because when you're playing in a stadium that's as cavernous as as Edinburgh and and all you've got is two or three thousand people he said it's um, just look at here imagine trying to play a game here with 2,000 people it's interesting there was still quite an atmosphere that Connacht Edinburgh game because it was about 300 Connacht people sounded like about 3,000 it's also a great commentary position because you can stand up to do the commentary. I suspect we'll be shoved into a seat in the new place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I loved actually the, the space we have there and, and the atmosphere from the Connacht fans in that away game in the league came across so well. About 300 crowd, as you said. It was one of the best away sports I think we had last year outside of the obvious ones like York or on the final. Yeah, but that, that was the final, a, which we won. That was just a couple of big stags, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was literally two stags and a few fans. But bloody hell, they made a lot of noise. All right, uh, where are we? Yeah, so... I want to catch up on a few things. First of all, let's tap into the man himself, the man of the hour, and certainly the guy who drew a lot of attention at this uh, media launch. Why not? Pat Lamb, coach of the Pro 12 Champions 2016. Pat, we're here in the Aviva Stadium. Obviously, you're probably getting more questions than you usually get at a season launch. Uh, how proud are you to see that trophy sitting up there and know that Connacht had won it last year? Yeah, extremely proud and uh but you know, the first day we came back this year, I had the trophy at the start of the at the, at the front of the uh, team room, and and, um, and just talked about what it meant and what, how you know that it was just an outcome of the hard work that we did. So if we have any hope of of repeating or doing things, uh, that work needs to step up another level. And just trying to understand that's now passed, and um, and we need to get back to business of uh, how how we went about winning that, which was. Every day making a winner, every day reflecting, saying what I do well, what could I do better, and then having a plan to improve. And and then I deliberately made uh, week one similar to week 
whatever it was at the end of the Leinster week, uh, the final week, because I just wanted to emphasise we were on this journey and the uh, the trophy was just part of it. It's not the end of the journey and we, we continue on. And then uh, today's announcement that we're going to be here is uh, it's, that'll be front and centre, one of our goals to get here because, um, you know, I think Connacht's never played on the Viva Stadium and uh, to do that in the final would be tremendous. So, again, an outcome. Now we go back into the plan on how to get there. People won't be surprised that you're targeting to get back to a final. They won't be surprised that you believe you can win this competition again. But at the same time, the general predictions will say, oh, Connacht will probably do well and finish top six next year. Are you aware of that already? You'll start to be written off again. And people say, World Cup year last year was a factor, etc., etc. Um, of course, it's like um, you know, everyone's predictions at the start. But I think the, um, you know, the, the, big, the biggest thing for us is um, um, you know, the, the, the expectation that you know, when you go from... Seventh being the highest to straight to one, uh, two, three, four, five, six is still a, is is, is a, you know it, it's in line with our main goals of every year being in Champions Cup. So um, we know everyone will say it's not the same as as one, uh, but there's a lot of teams out there that want us, and um, I think the biggest highlight of, of of what we achieved was the fact if you put the twelve teams down and put down an an order of resources, budgets, and so forth. We come 12th, and that's why the whole season was a massive highlight because it emphasised what rugby is truly about: is teamwork. Everyone has to do their bit, and that 12th ranking hasn't changed this year. As I watch everyone recruit and, and get bigger and stronger, um, but uh, again, you know, we can't control that. Our only emphasis now is uh, uh, going back to how we did it and and um, and uh, improve every day. Alan, one thing you were saying, we've heard from Connacht, we didn't spend too much time there talking to uh, Pat or John because we're going to be chatting to him at the press conference next week and we had a press conference last week. But just to throw it in there, uh, you're saying, you know, there's not too many people talking about Connacht uh, today, which probably, I don't know, it's not surprises. But... Yeah, the only the only, the only um, teams that's, that, you know, was in, in my various interviews, although I didn't, I think I missed the Scarlets, um, the only ones that spoke about Connacht were um, the Dragons who were asked about, you know, could they get garner inspiration because they have a similar budget at which point Kingsley Jones went no they have far more money than we do um, and uh, and Glasgow because they're obviously playing us up first so you know uh, Gregor Townsend wanted to talk about the fact you know spoke about the fact that having played them played us twice in the end of last season that first up it's going to be pretty tough for them to start with a first up game like that yeah it's interesting too William we might hear a little bit of them uh, next uh, in our next podcast in terms of the Munster and uh, Leinster voices that we heard from today but uh, I don't Munster were an interesting element I think I think they attracted a lot of attention first of all first chance to talk to Razi Erasmus and also a man that initially we didn't even recognise we were like who's the monster captain <laughs> sorry Billy Holland obviously we recognise you on the pitch but off the pitch you caught us for a second there he spoke well yeah they, they both did um, very level headed tempted to say um, a little bit less ego than sometimes we've heard from Munster before uh, talking about future planning and it's going to, t- you know, I think they're talking about small baby steps. And I, I think they're getting this message out there that they have a lot of work to do and they, they realise it. Making a great play on the fact that they've now got a combined training set up in Limerick where everybody will train together on a regular basis. But to be fair, Billy Holland uh, also backed that up by saying we won two European championships on the old system. So it, it's no excuse but it obviously was an issue. A lot of people have relocated from Cork to Limerick. Um, 
But I think they are going to go back to a very basic ethos, talking about uh, team structures and how they intend to play the game. They have a lot of young players, but it was quite interesting. I mean, Razi Erasmus talks about the Pro 12 and what he knows about it. Um, and it's it's obvious it's a learning experience for him as well, and that comes across. Overheard Billy Holland just mention he was asked about uh, Axel Foley, and he just said, "Look, he's going to focus on his own jo- coaching now, and doesn't have to deal with you lot in the media." Is what he said, uh, and he meant it in, in tongue in cheek, but kind of seriously as well. That, like, look, there was a lot of distractions last year, so I think we all want to see Anthony Foley succeed, uh, uh, and we think this could be a good balance. But Erasmus is the main man now. Yeah, he certainly is. Um, actually, t- you know, talking about Anthony Foley succeeding, I, I was something I mentioned to Murray Kinsler about the fact that you know we, we get down on our own coaches very quickly. Um, you know, and it was something I heard Gordon Darcy talking about. You know, we need to get more players in to teach our young guys. You know, to show them what's world class. And I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. We've got players in both Leinster and Munster who have won Heineken Cups and and Ulster who have won you know Six Nations. Why do we have to keep importing all these guys? Why can't we trust our own people? Why can't we trust the talent that we have? And you know, look at the work ethic that's there. Like you know, in Connacht, we went and won a Pro 12 last year with, with having very few imports brought in. Um, because we, we trusted in the system and we trusted in our own guys and we trusted in, in bringing our own our own people through. It's something Kingsley Jones mentioned, the fact that he's going to have to have more faith in his own young players to let them go, to get them through and actually show faith in them and bring them on the field and give them a chance, much like what Connacht did last year. Well, Munster shown faith in a local boy in Billy Holland to make him captain. Here he is, speaking to the press. A few big changes that have come in. We've we've a new coaching set up, a new coaching group, which which is massive. We've also moved into um, we're moving into our new one centre. So we've trained together as a squad for the first time ever uh, through a pre-season, which has given us a lot more pitch time, a lot more time uh, face time with each other. And use the example of. of playing rugby with Dave Foley for many years now and I was over in his house last week for the first time ever he had a barbecue so it's um, you know things like that are really good for squad morale getting to know each other um, so all those little things uh, they're not little things because there's 12 lads who have moved their families from Cork up to Limerick that's a massive commitment you've two coaches who've moved their young families from the other side of the world to Limerick so they're, they're, they're huge commitments, but hopefully those will, um, will we'll see some changes on the pitch this year with that regard. Was that a bit strange for you over the years or was it something you just got used to? I mean, all other teams will be trained together 24-7. Yeah, uh, what's strange is training together 24-7. <laughs> um, I, I know no different. I've been in Munster for, for almost 10 years now and I, I have known nothing other than that, that Cork to Limerick Road... Um, there are still six of us who are in Cork a few days a week and stay in Limerick a few, night, a few nights a week for training. Um, there are guys who have families, houses, kids, etc. And in Cork, so you know, it's been really good. We've gotten a lot more time on the pitch with each other, and it has been unusual. It may sound strange, but it has been unusual actually spending so much time with each other and getting so much time on the pitch. You know, at times last year we were, and every other year, training Tuesdays and Thursdays like Cork on, like a club side. But then again, that's an easy excuse for people because we won two European Cups in 06 and 08. It, it works and it has worked, but I think as the game progresses... Um, and has progressed over the last few years. It becomes more professional. The smaller margins make a make a big difference. And we, 
it's been very important for us to get that done and um, you know, hopefully we'll see the benefits throughout this season. Was there a little bit of hurt last year seeing Connacht taking the title in the sense that you've dropped back a bit now in the pecking order? Nice to see an Irish province win, obviously, but I'm sure a bit of envy there also. Oh, 100%. You'd be, you'd be a liar if you said you weren't jealous of what Connacht did last year. Um, you know, they played some fantastic rugby. They were thoroughly deserved uh, winners of, of, uh, of the Pro 12. Um, you know, it took them three years of work with Pat Lamb and you know, talk about all the work they did with Eric Elwood over the years before that um, you know, we have a coach who's coming in now who's here for three years um, changes don't happen overnight so we can't expect to turn around and see us being world beaters by Christmas time it will take a while for us to get where we, where to where we, where we want to get to um, and you saw that with Connacht their third year under Pat Lamb they were fantastic they were very hard to play, uh, play against so you know it's um, certainly it's a, it's a massive motiv- motivating factor for us this season. Do you think the new coaching ticket's biggest challenge will be to refine playing the Munster way? Because I always feel you're under a lot of pressure to play, particularly from the fans. They want you to play the Munster way. And when you've tried to change that system on occasions, it's, it's maybe complicated your game plan. Are they, are they going to take the best of that and also play slightly differently? Yeah, that, that's been the, the best thing about having, uh, having Axel and Rassi working so closely together. Like, you will not find a more passionate um, and knowledgeable monster man than, than Anthony Foley. So he's worked very closely with Rassi and they've come up with a way of playing. And we're, we're just going to try and simplify things a bit because need, we need to take a step back, get our basics right, get our, our skill levels up cut out our, our errors and then we can progress to the more complicated um, aspects and particularly in attack so by doing that hopefully we will we will go towards this new brand of playing um, you know we played against Edward the other night but it didn't matter what brand of rugby we were playing it was lashing rain <laughs> and the howling wind so we were just scrummaging and mauling for, for the evening but um, as I said already it'll take a time. take time it won't happen overnight but they have between them, they'll they have uh, come up with a way of playing that will hopefully suit this playing group. All right, that's Billy Holland, and now moving on, Alan, you kind of teed this up a few seconds ago. You're talking to friend of the podcast, Murray Kinsella. I was indeed, yeah. He gave, a, gave an excellent interview, even if I did almost catch him out at the end when I asked him <laughs> how many Connacht players did you think would make the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be interested to see that answer. I'm sure, he had a little notepad open. <laughs> Mary Kinsla, the 42.ie. You looking forward to a, a great season, Murray? Yeah, pretty excited for things to start back. It's been, I suppose, quite a couple of months after a pretty exciting 2015-16 season, uh, certainly for Connacht anyway. We haven't heard too much from them in the pre-season. I think Pat's keeping his uh, powder dry and uh, eager not to give away too many secrets, but uh, it's a big challenge for them. Yeah, they, they've kind of marked out their territory, even in terms of their attacking style. John Muldoon spoke a bit about that and said they can't do what they did last season. Everyone knows what's coming. Um, Glasgow in the first game are going to be intimately aware of what's coming with the 2-4-2 and the set-piece attack. And Yeah, it's a massive challenge for them, so, so exciting season ahead. Yeah, the, the Welsh fans on Wales Online only rate us to finish eighth. So we're, <laughs> we're looking at that going, really? Now, they do have three Welsh teams to finish in the top six. So what, like, do you think that the fact that there's no World Cup will, will have a huge impact on them? Um, yeah, like it, certainly at the start of last season, it does help Connacht a little bit, to the fact that there aren't that many guys away. But I don't think you can attribute the whole success to that. Um, I think it's probably good for Connacht that they're being t- spoken uh, down on and, and people are kind of 
uh, predicting that they're not going to back it up. Uh, I think Pat would probably welcome that. But um, yeah, it is. It's certainly going to be a more difficult season. There's whatever Wales online fans are saying. There's 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 expectation now, even from Connacht fans. That mm. as John Muldoon again, I reference him. He said there's some kind of fans who haven't been through the dark times all day and who is winning now. So <laughs> there's certainly that expectation. There's uh, everyone wanted to take down the champions. That's a natural thing. No one's going to rest players for for taking on Connacht now. They're going to go. Uh, full team out against them every time so it's going to be a really really demanding season to back it up especially with the Champions Cup as well um, you've got to balance that and um, you've got to pick your battles I guess to, to a greater extent but but look they have shown a bit of depth and I think that's the most encouraging thing from last season is the fact that there are options there there are homegrown options in the back row and all across the pitch really so, so there is that element of depth but um, yeah, certainly a more challenging season I think and especially just with that mental edge of not being the underdog all the time One of the criticisms or someone made that was the fact that we're, we've lost Dave Ellis and we only replaced him with an Irish guy I, I get a little bit frustrated by that why, why can't Irish people like? Uh, do you think there's enough talent in Irish rugby they, like the Leinster coaches are getting a bit of a slag net. they're young they don't know what to do and the Munster coaches the same way but these guys won Heineken Cups and they won Grand Slams yeah. do you not think there's enough talent in Irish coaching to, to bring Irish rugby along yeah well like, it certainly has been a difficult couple of years for, for Anthony Foley and Leo Cullen um, I don't think they've completely proven themselves yet I absolutely I'm happy that Irish coaches are getting backed, definitely, but maybe the manner in which those two guys were backed maybe suggests that you need that element of experience alongside an inexperienced yeah. coach. Like mm-hmm. Pat Lamb's a very experienced coach, comes in as head coach, and you, and you see his team develop uh, over the course of two, two or three years. Um, I think you just need you need that that guidance maybe a little bit more, and Leo did, he hasn't had that in Leinster. So, um, but I think in terms of Connacht, it's absolutely brilliant that Connacht Phillips is now the backs coach. He's yeah. an unbelievable, unbelievably influential guy in, in Connacht. I don't think people maybe realise how much he's, he's obviously started as the analyst, but it's interesting now in the modern game how analysts can become so influential because these are the guys who are watching the trends in the game. They understand it probably more than anyone because they're, they're so absorbed by rugby all the time so yeah, yeah. I think he's been really influential and, and Pat would probably say the same in terms of their attacking shape that Connor has been instrumental in that and I think it's really exciting for him he's certainly a talented Irish coach and I think he's in a good position because he's there with Pat and he's there with, with, with other guys around him who are experienced in terms of coaching and man managing and those things and he can learn that off them to, to go with his technical and tactical knowledge so I think it's exciting I think you have to get that balance right for the Irish coach yeah yeah and just one last thing, do you think there's any chance of a Connacht player making it onto the Lions squad? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you put me on the spot here now, I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, I think, look, it depends on how Connacht as a team go. That gets them onto the Ireland team. It then depends how Ireland go, as a team go. Um, there's, look, we know there's so much individual talent in Connacht now, but it's always interesting in Lions years how individual talent can miss out on the basis that their actual team hasn't performed. So, yeah, yeah. so I think that's a very diplomatic answer or whatever, but, <laughs> but I think... As players always say themselves, their priority is, is get it right with Connacht. Yeah. Then maybe get it right with Ireland when you get that call up, and then and then you worry about the rest taking care of itself. All right. Was the voice of Murray Kinsler from the 42.ie. We're almost getting to the end of this first build season build-up podcast. We call it. We're not getting into pure detail of Connacht's pre- uh, preview because you're going to do a bit of that for us on Friday. Alan's taking over as presenter. Yeah, Pro 12 champions, of, of course. Oh yeah, let's not forget that. Uh, we're going to hear from John Muldoon at the end of this podcast as well. And we've got some other little bits and bobs of audio too. It looks like there's a truck coming into the Aviva Stadium for some reason. But I don't know. Uh, that might have been a there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have them up here, I tell you. Th- those batteries still okay, Rob, because we did <laughs> oh. have them. Oh...
We did have a battery issue very, very early in the proceedings today. Yeah, they won't actually hear the interview that was affected by that until uh, until uh, until our second podcast early next week. But uh, yes, that did happen. But all things considered. Can we spend the last couple of seconds of the podcast just talking about Connacht? Only the one preseason friendly. That's a concern. Montpellier, a good performance over there. Yeah, I'm. 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 I'm a bit puzzled by how how that happened. Uh, I mean, Leinster seemed to have played two or three games. Ulster, Munster. They had. They did have a behind the closed doors game against Clontarf. But it's. I'm surprised they didn't have. But maybe they're hard to arrange. There, you know, it's, it's hmm. sides. Well, I understand that they had one arranged, and whoever it was had to pull out for whatever reason. No one can quite confirm exactly who it was. There was talks of Bristol, Exeter, Munster. There was somebody else thrown in there, but you know, I believe that was a game, but it got it got panned. No one's quite sure why. Yeah, I mean, look. At the end of the day, Saturday evening when they kick off against Glasgow, it's it's all irrelevant. It's you've you've got to be got your game face on and ready to go. Uh, but it might have been nice just to have had one other home game just to to kind of get things moving. Here's John Muldoon. I was talking to him, uh, just setting the scene for the season. It feels like the start of the season for us, but it's not been the start for you guys. You're back, what, about a month now? Yeah, we're back six weeks, actually, or just close to six weeks. Um, it's hard to believe that it's over three months ago since the final, or three months since the final, but, um, yeah, uh, back in, into business, and um, celebrations are well over, and obviously it's uh, still in the, the back of everyone's minds and probably still to the front of a lot of supporters' minds, but... For us, it's back to business and back to, to brass tacks and get ready for the year and um, I suppose put the the, blo- the foundation blocks in place for the for a big season. I'm interested in your mindset because you've had a long career. You had what is a, definitely going to be a moment that's going to define it. Anyways, might necessarily be the peak. But when you get back to preseason, is there a part of your head going, "This is tough now"? You know, I really reached a, a pinnacle there. Um, I suppose. You, you you think, or there might be a chance in the back of your head that you wonder is the, is the fire still there and is the hunger still there? But um, the funny thing about success and trophies, and um, let's be honest here, we're all a little bit egotistical and we all love uh, winning stuff, and we wouldn't play sports. And you find out um, when you're young that winning stuff is nice and. Um, being part of a team that wins something is uh, is the biggest accolade you can get, and um, that's reignited a lot of fire and bellies um, from a lot of lads um, this year, especially people like myself who haven't won something um, as part of a team for a while. And um, yeah, look, it's it's been easy coming back. It's I think there's such a, a feel good factor and coming in, and um, the place has changed a little bit, and. Um, I think there's, there's a great buzz coming back in this year and it's uh, it's certainly been easy to get out there and work and um, I suppose I'm not going to be make a bold statement uh, but it's nice to have some silverware in the in the cabinet and it's it just fires you on to try and get there again and have another big day at the end of May, of May again and um, it's certainly one that I will cherish but it'd be nice to do it again there's uh, close to 50 players in the squad there was only 20 involved on final day so there's plenty of motivation and a lot of the lads who maybe missed out on that as well as the new guys yeah for a lot of years Connacht um, players and supporters have been looking um, on the periphery of other teams other Irish teams having great success and um, to be part of that was huge but um, 
to be involved in a squad and not and be unlucky and not to be part of the, the match day squad is probably the hardest thing to take. So there's a lot of motivation for the players who um, who maybe didn't make it that day and, and there's a lot of motivation for them to push hard and try and um, get their place for this year. And that brings on the whole squad and that pushes everyone further. And um, I think our squad is getting more depth in it year on year, uh, which is great. So, yeah, look, it's... Um, We've, we've been saying for the last few years the more they put pressure on the perceived lads in front of them the better it is and um, some of those lads over the last two or three years are now first choice players and if we can get a few more to break through this year it's better again isn't it? Are you testing out the likes of Keen Keller and Dominic Robertson McCoy did they get Pat Lamb's processes or are, they, are their mindset in the right place uh, what's, what's their thinking like as they come into this do you think they've adapted pretty quickly to the systems that Connacht have in place? When you're coming into a team who are champions, it's a daft quicker get out, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, it, it's an easy sell at the moment, that's for sure. So um, no, look, the, all the new lads, Dominic, um, Keane, a few other the new lads that have come in have um, have adapted well, and um, they're getting used to it. It's not easy to get used to the style of play that we have. And uh, Lewis obviously is thrown in the deep end this week. Um, he was over in France with us and. Um, it's not easy to get used to the style of play, but once they believe in themselves and their own ability, and um, Keane asked me after five minutes the last day the kick ball was kicked long, and um, he ran it out of his 22, and he said, maybe I should have kicked it, and I replied to him, that's not what we do here. So um, a little smile appeared in his face because he's got the freedom, and he knows now that he's got the freedom. I said, if, you, if we turn over the ball, it's not your fault, it's the people around you who didn't get to you. So he had a little wry smile and ran back to his position. So that just shows you a different mindset from him for, for him going forward. And look, we'll, we understand that teams are going to know how we play and are going to try and attack us but we've got to come up with something new and add a few little more strings to our bow and hopefully we'll be able to keep pushing ahead Back here in the Aviva Stadium I see the Guinness Pro 12 final 2017 in Dublin is up on the big screen done a good job of this launch it's your first experience of a launch lads impressed? Well, when you consider the the organisation that was required to get you know 44 guys you know around there up amongst all the various different media I think it seems to have gone pretty well because it's stuck to the times quite well I thought they seem to have done a good job Yeah, it's, it's an impressive effort I think it's important to say that Guinness announced today that this sponsorship is now running till 2020 it's a three year extension I think there are big plans afoot they, there are, I think there will be some changes to the way this league operates not this season obviously but next season or the season after looking at conference situations there is an issue about a lot of games being teams playing without their internationals and that's a problem in getting fans to games and they've identified that and they're going to try to work with it it would also I think help the television people who drive a lot of the finance and that will happen something will happen it won't keep going on the same format Okay, just to go back to the interview we just heard there, John Muldoon talking about. I like that line about Keen Keller, where he says he kicked the, or he ran out of his own twenty-two, got caught and didn't get turned over. But he went to John Muldoon. Maybe I should have kicked that. And John said, "No, that's not what we do around here. It's our job to support you. It's not, it's not your problem. It's our problem." And he said, "Keen just gave him that little bit of a smile." 
He did, yeah. I, think I like this place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because um, he does a reputation of, of um, being fast and elusive and knowing that, you know, to have the confidence to know that it's okay to get out and run, that it's up to other people to try and catch up with him. I think that's a, a great sign of hopefully what we're going to see throughout the season. Do you know, there's mentions of Bosch off and things like that. Like, you can't forget, though, Robbie Henshaw's moved on. That's one thing. You know, Downey's moved on. That's another thing. And, you know, I, you nearly forget how influential Ash McGinty was. Well, you wouldn't forget it, but you can't forget how influential Ash McGinty was towards the end of the season. Bosch off not due in until at least the end of October. Yeah, but you can also look at how well Shane O'Leary played right up to the point where McGinty was brought back in. And before that, you know, I, I thought that before um, that weird industry in, industry injury, Jack Carty, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jack Carty had. I thought he he played, one, yeah. yeah, he played two outstanding games against Scarlets. Right. You know. So you're not worried about McGinty being gone because we have Carty, we have O'Leary, both showing good signs. Yeah, and, and you know, I know a lot of people don't agree with that, and, and you know, people think that O'Leary wasn't as, you know, maybe I was a bit. Uh, easy going on him but I just think he seems to have time on the ball yeah, and that it, which is something that's almost impossible to, to, to teach Former also second row Lewis Stevenson comes from Exeter um, what is 34 years of age I think I hope I'm not wrong on that I think it is yeah big big in lump of replace Muldowney obviously in in sense that he's not going to cost as much as Muldowney and he's not going to be expected to completely replace him either but he's in to bolster our second row options when Muldowney's on yeah, plus I see Sean O'Brien is down now as a second row. Um, I know he's, he's not going to be the tallest second row in the world, but I don't think you have to be the tallest second row in the world to be particularly brilliant in that position. And, you know, he, he came all the way through, you know, mini rugby and Galwegians and all the way through. And then in, in the school rugby and was a hugely impressive player. And I think he's, you know, you can bring him in and, you know, possibly be a very young replacement for Ali Muldowney, but it's certainly be a long-term replacement for him. George Naupu, I think sometimes someone said it to me recently, and they might be right, we'll miss him as that kind of utility player if the injuries start to mount up. Yeah, and I think as well he always brought a certain level of calmness when he was brought on. Mm. He he often seemed to come in and maybe sort out an issue in the line-out or just when things were getting very untidy. Mm. We, we play a very structured game. It, it is a fast-moving, offloading game and it needs to be very accurate. And when it gets untidy, uh, we can start to, to lose focus. That's what he seemed to bring to it. But players, players have to move on at some stage. And he's obviously gone to Harlequins, which is an interesting one. Um, and they'll get some real benefit out of him. Uh, he just brings experience. OK, where are we just to finish? What are we missing? There's a lot to get through. That's why we're spreading this preview over to, to uh, podcasts. This is just to get us going, folks. So obviously there's going to be big issues that we're going to discuss in the coming weeks. We'll do our kind of team-by-team se- season preview after the Glasgow game. We just said to ourselves we'll give ourselves those uh, that one round of games to at least get a feel for it. Um, Dave McSharry. Dave McSharry, retiring. Retiring, which is, you know, very sad to see. Um, you know, because he, he certainly was a, a huge influence on the team when he was playing. He, you know, I don't think I'll... Ever forget the tackle he put in on Rob Carney when Rob Carney tried to sidestep him three times and he just put him back in his behind with one of the most glorious tackles I've ever seen. Um, you know, huge loss and hopefully he's going to get on with the rest of his life and not have any major imp- implications from all the, the knocks in the head that he got. Um, but it's, in, in a way, it's great to see the players have been looked after properly. Yeah, and you hope, as best as possible, not every player can stay in rugby, but you hope if he, can, if he has something he can do within the game in terms of coaching or whatever he feels like he'd be lost to rugby, he'd be huge lost to rugby uh, if, if he's not if he's not going to be involved in gloves or whatever. I have no doubt he will be involved in the game in some shape or form. Yeah, you would hope so. It's very unfortunate. I mean, he, he worked incredibly hard to come back and he got 
concussed, I'd say, within 60 seconds of coming on. It was one of the saddest things I've ever seen because he was so upset. And I don't think it was... I think he was just upset that it had gone wrong so soon. And, you know, the doctor came on and told him he had to go off. And it's it's a growing issue in rugby. We talked about it last year. It's just going... It's there all the time. These are immense men. When you're standing beside them here today, when you're actually up close to them... The size, the physique is just growing and growing. They're, 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 they're probably slightly less weight than they were a couple of years ago. Say, yeah, I, I, I just standing beside a couple of them today and, and, and Dan Lydiot and you know Tommy Bow, and I was sort of looking going, wow, not quite as big as he used to be, which is great because it's shown that the, the Kiwi way of wanting to play the game and move the game means that, you know, thankfully that extra bit of size seems to be drifting out of the game yeah, a little but, bit. But I suspect it's now bloody harder muscle that you're actually hitting now there isn't they they don't even carry their own little bit of padding <laughs> it's, it's out and if, if, you, if you want to see it come to the sports ground you're the closest to the action of any rugby ground you can ever go to stand close to the action there and just see it and it's uh, it still takes my breath away yep time to get back on the road head for home traffic Traffic, yeah. Well, we beat the traffic back to Goy, but then I have to beat the traffic out of Goy to get back to Mayo. So there's no traffic in Mayo, Rob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't like this at all. <laughs> Make sure that's the last podcast we finish with a Mayo slag this year. <laughs>